Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're thrilled to be here with you this morning. A couple of uh, quick uh, comments here that we are, this show is premiering for you this morning, but it is was pre-recorded last night. That doesn't mean that we're not live right now, and I'm sitting and watching the show with you, and we want to know your comments and your questions. The show is live right now on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter, as well as a whole bunch of other sites that Traven will start to show you. So please feel free to enter the chat and tell us any questions that you have or comment on everything. You can be talking with me and with other people who are watching the show at the same time. It is also available, this entire program, as a podcast later on today, wherever you get your podcast. It's a free download, and we hope that you will tune in and watch and be a part of the conversation. Uh, did I miss anything, Nancy? That's about it, right? I think you got it, Shannon. Okay. So Nancy, we've been starting off the show lately with you showing us some why art. Uh, yes. Talk to us about why what, what why why art is so near and dear to our heart and show us this week's submissions. Well, why my son Wyatt has been extremely busy painting and doing a lot of commission work. So I sent a couple of his paintings over to Traven that he finished this last, probably in the last week and a half. Um, he, he works pretty fast. So that's a dog that he did for our minister, Father Rand. His name is Cubby. So that's Cubby that Love he was commissioned it. to paint. Sweet little dog. Yes. That's a cow, which we named Elmer. I love his cows, Nancy. Elmer his cows is, are amazing. And then there's another cow that we named Elsie. Uh, there's Elsie. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. And I think uh, there's one more little dog named Miss P, who we did for my friend Suzanne Lecoq Browning. Well, I love them all, but the cows have a very special place in my heart. And that's a new cow he did for another commission. Wow. He did that one yesterday. I like the Easter colors, don't you, Shannon? I absolutely do. I, I see a cow calendar in his future. A cow calendar. That would be great. Anyway, happy Easter, happy Holy Week, happy Passover, happy... It's Holy Week for so many of us, both yes. in Jewish and in the Christian religion. It's a beautiful week. 
Absolutely. So Nancy, tell us though, before we leave the Y art, where can people find, you know, where can they commission a, a, a piece of Y art? Where can they purchase? Right. They can go on his Facebook page, Y art autism, which Traven has right there. He also has an Instagram page, which is also Y art autism. Um, and uh, there it is. Y art autism on Instagram with an underscore. And, or they can also text me at Nancy Allspaugh Jackson uh, on Facebook. There we go. Now, as a matter of fact, one of our one of our viewers, Amanda Bright, bought one of his paintings, a painting he did of a swimmer. Amanda bought that painting, so we hope she's enjoying that. I absolutely love that. Uh, so Nancy, we've got this big, big show we, we're going to talk about in the news. And then we've got two amazing guests, one of them who is a, a music therapist and, and has a new book out about uh, autism and art. Yeah. And then we have a wonderful um, female self-advocate that we've had before on the show with her own podcast called Hello World with uh, Mia. Maya, I think it's Maya. And um, so we're going to be talking with both of them. We're going to do all of that after we take a break from and hear from one of our sponsors. Great. Okay, so let's take a look. My Z-Pod, it helps me sleep. It's easier for an autistic person to sleep in there. A Z-Pod helps me sleep better. So Z-Pod allows for complete control of your sleep environment. The big idea is how do we help people sleep better? I'm George Bailey and I'm the president of Z-Pods. My name is Jeff Wade and I am one of the co-founders of Z-Pods. I like that I can close the Z-Pod and that it's around me so nothing can come in there. Micah is 10. She was staying up for like three days at a time. We tried weighted blankets, melatonin. We've tried a sleep study because we thought she had sleep apnea. My experience with the Z-Pod has been wonderful. Micah's sleep has changed tremendously. I'm getting more sleep because she's getting sleep. Because of her autism diagnosis and her schizophrenia diagnosis, she was up all night. And I wasn't doing well in school. I used to sleep in a closet. That was the only place that she was feeling comfortable at the time. Since she started with the Z-Pod, her sleeping has improved. The first night, she was in bed, on time, and asleep. My son, Juden, he's neurotypical. It takes him two hours to get to bed at night. But with Z-Pod, it's completely transformed his sleeping. With Joseph, he's autistic. He's very high energy, high anxiety. Joseph would just bounce around his room all the time at night. Joseph has been using his bed now for almost two years. It has become like a real nook for him. Just a place where he just feels restored. Helped him decompress, helped him wind down. I read in my Z-Pod. I play games in my Z-Pod. Now that he's sleeping better, I think that all of us are sleeping better. We have taken all of the suggestions that we've received from parents about how we can improve this technology. And we've put together a really exciting new bed that we're going to be releasing onto the market. So we've partnered with a local manufacturer who's invested into Z-Pod. We've got speakers in the new Z-Pods that will allow you to play nature tracks or meditation tracks. We're going to be creating what we call a sleepscape, where the sleep environment changes according to your individual preference. What we want to do is we want to give a name to sleep that gets kids excited to do this thing that is critical to their health. 
I could recommend it to good people. Have you ever slept in a Z-Pod? Hi, Shannon. Z-Pod. Z-Pod. Really interesting for kids. I want a Z-Pod. I want to sleep in a Z-Pod. In fact, I want to take a nap in a Z-Pod right now. Right. Uh, So there we go. Uh, We want to thank them for being a sponsor here, and uh, we're excited to have them join our family. So, um, Nancy, we're going to cover some in the news stories today. And, I, you know, we always try to meter things and... Um, and I always try to warn you guys when we have some pretty serious stuff to talk about. And, and today we have some pretty serious stuff to talk about. Um, and, and so I just, I, I like to put out the warning. If, if anybody has a small child that's watch, watching, there's some pretty heavy stuff here that, that I, I think we both feel like needs to be discussed, but it's some pretty heavy stuff. So just like to give the disclaimer. Should we launch into our first story, Nancy? Yeah, let's launch into the first one. A very disturbing story. A 14-year-old girl with autism says she was lured away from her school. She was sexually assaulted after being lured away from school property. Um, Back in February, another student at the school lured her away from Campbell High School, which is in Cobb County. I looked that up. It's in Georgia, Shannon. Yeah. Um, They said that um, they uh, it happened off campus. But the guardian, her her guardian says he feels the school plays a role in protecting students, has since pulled the girl out of school because he does not feel that she is safe. And the the person who is the alleged perpetrator of this is, as you said, still in school. Right. And mom is mortified, of course. And this is everybody's nightmare, right? Um, One of everybody's nightmares. In a second, we're going to talk about the other one. Um, But I do think that it's the the takeaway for this, and I hope that this family gets the help and support that they need at this time, right? Because there there are things that are going to need, they're going to need help and support with. But um, I also think that it's important that we all talk about this because a lot of people are sending their kids off to school in the belief that their kids are safe and that everything is a-okay and nothing like this could happen. And I'm a former classroom teacher and I worked in high schools. Um, and I can tell you that um, unless you have it in your IEP that your child has the potential to be lured away by another student, certainly most high schools don't have the facility to understand that this could happen. So it becomes incumbent upon us as parents that we need to sit down and have conversations and tell our uh, uh, teenage children who are on the spectrum about rules and expectations because they don't have a context in life to understand that if a friend says, let's leave school and go someplace else, to know that that is not okay, that that is not a friend, that that is not something that's within the rules. And we don't have to terrify our children to have conversations, but we just have to set up strong boundaries for them about, you know, we don't leave school. And the only time we leave school is if, you know, the teacher says we have to go outside because there's an emergency, because there's a fire, but we don't walk off the school grounds, even if our friend tells us to. It's, right. it's really a tough situation, but, but I think that it's super important that we have those tough conversations with our kiddos because look, you know, things like this can happen. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it that these things can happen, but there Very it is. Disturbing. 
And um, then, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, Shannon, I'll go ahead. The uh, next story, another very disturbing story. Uh, a four-year-old boy with autism was found dead in a pond after he wandered away from a Georgia apartment building. Uh, little Cayuse Williams um, walked away from an apartment complex in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and was reported missing minutes later. And he was found in a pond early in the morning. Um, and we extend our condolences to the family. Absolutely. I do want to say that it is that time of year when we have to have the tough conversation with everybody that Nancy and I are all too familiar with because this is the 11th year that we will have done it. It's spring. And individuals who are on the autism spectrum often will seek water. It, it is something that we are very well aware of and, and for different reasons. Um, some kids like to splash in the water. Some kids like the sensory feeling of the pressure against them. Um, some like the way light shines off the top of it. There are all different reasons why people on the spectrum will seek water. It, uh, you know, Nancy, because this is an area that you worked in for so long, trying to help people to understand what the risks are. This is the number one cause of death for individuals on the autism spectrum. And the number two cause is being hit by a car, often while they're seeking water. So right. it, is, it is spring and there are wonderful things that are happening. But the bad thing that happens every spring is that I go to do the news and we only included one story today. There are still three stories that I'm aware of at this moment of individuals who are missing because they've eloped. Um, and there is one other story of, of someone who tragically passed away recently uh, as a result of this. So yeah, I, um, yeah. I just want to say that my son, Wyatt, was an eloper and a wanderer. He uh, oftentimes bolted out the front door, ran down the street, almost ran into the freeway once at LaGuardia Airport. He almost ran into track. Um, I urge everyone, if you have an ABA program for your child to cover this in ABA. Yeah. We did, and we did social stories about elopement. Wyatt ended up writing his own social story um, and illustrate it, which taught him not to elope. Um, there are some very effective methods with ABA, in addition to other ways to protect your child with locks on the doors. And uh, of course, we have our friends that if I need help, um, we have uh, great uh, methods of keeping your child safe and identified. Um, if your child is a loper or a wanderer, let your police department know. Let them be aware. Um, there are many things you can do, fortunately, to avoid this tragedy. Absolutely. I think a lot of times people think, oh, it's just so um, hard. I'll have to be better at watching my kiddo. There is not a single person on this planet that can watch their kiddo 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have to do things. You have to go to the bathroom. You have to cook meals. You have to sleep. Um, you can't you can't expect yourself to be able to watch your child 24-7. And so Nancy just went through some of the different things that you can do. Um, the list is sort of endless. I love what Dr. Jonathan Tarbox always used to say to us. He would say, imagine if your child could right now, if they had the ability to turn to you and say, when you aren't looking, I'm going to run out the door because I'm going to seek water. I'm going to do that. And if your child had the ability to do that, what would you do to prevent it? And then go do that. 
And, and I love a multi-pronged approach, as Nancy was talking about. We also encourage you to take your child and do swimming lessons and make them do swimming lessons where they teach your child how to float when they are wearing shoes and jeans. Because a lot of times they put the kids in bathing suits and, you know, start teaching them how to do the crawl. You want to make sure that they have the safety and make the swimming teachers, the swimming teachers know how to do this. Make them do it with your child's shoes on, with jeans, so that if they fall in the water, they know how to flip on their back. It might save their lives. Do it all. Do it all. Uh, Okay. Now let's go to lighter things for a moment. Okay. (laughs) For a moment. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we talk a lot here about perspective taking, and it's funny. Yesterday we had Eustacia Cutler, uh, Temple Grandin's mother on the show, Nancy, and and we were talking talking a little bit about perspective taking and the fact that we were going to be covering a news story today about it, because um, this is an area of autism that's been under great discussion. Um, The whole thing about theory of mind and perspective taking. Um, And there's been a lot of research and a lot of different studies about it. And right now on Spectrum News, they have a great article uh, that's called A Deep Dive into Theory of Mind, uh, Autism, a a Research Field Reborn. And I just found it fascinating. I'm not going to lie. I did not understand all of it because some of it is is above my pay grade. But um, what there are so many different aspects of it. And if you have a kiddo on the spectrum that is either a young kiddo, a teen or an adult, I guarantee you there's something for you in this article about how your kiddo, whatever age they are, looks at the world and how maybe you're looking at their world and you might not have your glasses tuned exactly right. One of my favorite things is that further in the article, it because there's all this research that's been done that maybe people on the spectrum have an issue with perspective taking. Um, but for the first time, there is a school of thought saying and research to show that those of us who are quote unquote neurotypical have a deficiency in being able to read body language from people who are on the spectrum. We're part of the problem. Um, And I love that research has shown that definitively, that we have a disability in being able to read them, which makes this problem uh, bigger, but at least we have some more directions to take it. I found it a really good read, but I didn't put the expectation that I was going to understand everything. What about you, Nancy? I didn't understand everything, but I found it interesting that this is a a blossoming field of research and you know uh, there's more to be uncovered here i also will say one more thing that you know you know how much we hate it when people say that um well people on the spectrum don't have empathy we just we just hate that here it's like stop that that's not true and one of the things that this article did was it showed how when they started the early theory of mind that people on the spectrum are not good at being able to decipher things from another person's point of view. And that for many years that gave birth to this idea of empathy. And they were able to sort out definitively that just because you can't see it from the other person's point of view does not mean you don't have empathy. That when you understand why the person is upset, 
that then people on the spectrum absolutely have perhaps more empathy than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, But that sometimes the context eludes them. And I loved that we clarified that a little bit. That made me happy. Um, So check that out, spectrumnews.org. If you're interested in the whole theory of mind and perspective taking, being able to see things from somebody else's point of view, which we know can be taught to all of us. We can all be better at it. And as Dr. Grampy-Shea says, perspective taking is the key to any conflict. If we can all understand each other's points of views, we can take Mm -hmm. care of all conflict. I love that. And the next story, Nancy, was uh, I'm going to let you talk about it because it was one that you had picked out. Yes, I um, this I saw on Facebook and it's a little bit controversial, but boy, I relate to it. And um, I thought it took enormous courage of the mother to read it. Uh, Name of it is and it's on specialneedsparenting.org. I do not like being a special needs parent, and that's okay. She goes on to talk about it. She opens up with how her Monday morning went with her daughter, uh, uh, unzipping her from her tent, getting stuck in the eye and scratched, diapering her daughter, who's a kindergartner, uh, trying to get her through the morning meal, uh, and then basically saying, I do not like being a special needs parent. I would even go so far as to say I detest it. It's a phrase that is, is only uttered, if spoken at all, in hushed tones throughout the special needs community. She goes on to talk about the poem Holland, how she wanted to go to Italy and not Holland, and she's just being brutally honest. And um, she said, before I, before I receive a verbal lashing from the cheap seats, she wants everybody to know she loves it and her daughter, but that she also endures, she, her daughter suffers. She endures great physical pain, uh, and apparently her daughter has a syndrome called Popkin syndrome. She's in a wheelchair, but I thought it took enormous courage, and I have to agree that I, at times, and I've had to look for the blessing, and I have to look for the blessing every day. Uh, you know, I create the empowerment prayer, which is God grant me the courage to love my child unconditionally. The wishy disability is an opportunity and the faith to live a life of purpose. But I have to pray a day for that. It's not easy. And are there days that I wish that my child were typical? Absolutely. I would, I wish that. I'm honest about that. I don't like the fact that my child has autism. I would change it if I could. If there was a pill that would change it, I'd do it. Do I see the blessings in it? Yes, I do. But I think a lot of us identify with this mother, Shannon. I don't want to do it. I absolutely agree. And I think it's important for everybody to own their feelings and have their feelings. I'm going to, you know, say that I think it would be inappropriate for me to comment on, on what somebody else is feeling. Um, I'm going to have that level of perspective taking, although I also want to say, in addition to the fact that everybody should be entitled to their feelings, I want to give a nod to the fact that we have many people who are watching this program who are beautiful, fabulous, wonderful people on the spectrum who might feel, um, see something like this. We see this all the time that there is a misunderstanding that they feel like the finger is being pointed at them and that they are a burden. And I want to say that you should go and read the entire article to understand that she does say that she loves her child deeply. 
Um, and I, I don't want anybody to leave here and feel like they are a burden because um, it isn't you ever that is a burden. There are so many things that come along with it. I think we can all agree. With, I say this all the time on the show that um, being a special needs parent is uh, really hard. And it's a different level of hard for different people. But from my point of view, that is never you guys. That is not our kids' fault. It's everything that we are having to do to be able to support you. That other entities make it hard for us. I I don't love my son any less because he has autism. I want to be clear about that. But do do I dislike? the fact that autism stole much of his childhood, yes. I mean, Wyatt was moderate to severely affected. And that's an important point too, because, uh, you know, we know it's the spectrum is a range. And I'm not saying that anybody on the spectrum is insane. I think what you brought up, Shannon, is really important. We're not saying that uh, those on the spectrum are not worthy, certainly. But we're talking our own experiences as a parent. Absolutely. And if I could do it all over again, would I prefer that a child had been born typical? Yes. And I would give the exact opposite response. And I would say, honestly, um, that there was a day and a time when I felt exactly the way that Nancy does and that Nancy is speaking. But I remember, Nancy, we covered a play when, when we were like in the first year of doing this show and we, there was a play. And in the play, one of the characters who's on the spectrum says to somebody, if you could give a pill to change me so that I don't have autism, would you? And the playwright asked you and I how we felt as, as parents. And, and I remember, it's the first time somebody asked me that. My son was eight at the time. And, and you responded how you just responded. And I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. And I remember coming home and talking with my husband about it and saying, I was sick to my stomach because I would not, I would not because I don't know what part of him I would lose. And I won't, I wouldn't lose a single part of him, but I also know that I'm coming from a point of view where my son, my son no longer has a disability. Right. Um, there were, there were many years that he did and yeah. he doesn't anymore. So uh, that is my perspective for, from where I am. I cannot right. know for another person. Right. When you're so, still struggling, yeah. when you're still struggling with the day to day, when your child is still having tantrums that um, really rock you to him and you to your core. Uh, and when they're, when you're a, fearful about what their life is going to be like in an adult world that is run primarily by neurotypical people and that the opportunities are not going to be there for them. When you know you're facing a time of caring for your child, it's a very different perspective. Absolutely. So there we are. And we've got a great guest who's uh, going to be, we actually have two guests that are going to be joining us. And our first one, I don't want to slaughter her name, uh, but, and I see that both of our guests are here, but, uh, Maya, I want to tell you that you're, you're going to be on a little bit later. So unfortunately we're, we're asking you to wait, but, uh, I don't know whether we pronounce this Yasmin or yes, Jasmine. I would think Yasmin. Okay. Yasmin White. There we go. And you're going to give the, the, her bio. Okay. Yasmin is so accomplished. She's the CEO and founder of Voices Together. That's a rapidly expanding music therapy organization reaching individuals and students across North Carolina. 
she developed, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say this right, Shannon, the voices. It's called the Vocal Interactive Communications and Social Strategies Model. We're going to hear more about that. It's research-based for people on the spectrum. Uh, she's the author of a published book titled Autism and the Power of Music. Um, it's written to help parents of children with autism connect more fully with their children and help them advocate for themselves. Yasmin, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. It, it's actually Yasmin, but Yasmin. Okay, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. No, 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 it's okay. There we go. Good to have you here, Yasmin. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thank you so let's, much. Let's dive right in. Your book is called Autism and the Power of Music. What makes music so powerful? Well, <laughs> that's a big question. Yes. And it's a wonderful question. Um, I, I, I kind of um, would challenge and everyone to think about an experience where they've been listening to music and closing their eyes and ask them, you know, what what makes their everything change in their bodies um, and their minds. Um, it actually intersects with the brain in unique ways for language acquisition, um, for um, engagement that increases endorphins in the body. So if, when you're listening to something that is pleasurable and um, uh, it, it is a wonderful way to share socially um, with anyone um, and also, of course, for parents and children. Wow. So tell us in your book, you talk a little bit about something called the 50-50 approach. Tell us what that is. So we have, a, you know, my belief is, uh, and I've been working in this field for a long time, um, everyone has a unique way of processing the world. So it's not about, um, you know, us as therapists coming in to fix a behavior or fix the person. It is about a shared experience, a partnership, if you will. Um, you tell me how you're seeing the world and how you're experiencing everything. And we will help, we will, we will come meet you there. You know, I always think of a bridge meeting halfway on a bridge. We will meet you there. We'll help by giving some tools so that we can connect and we can understand and, um, um, and, and basically, um, you know, share an experience together and understand each other I love that. and, and grow. I mean, really the, the core of this model that I built and it's in the book, um, in, in my book, autism and the power of music, there's, there's many chapters on, um, well, one chapter in particular called behavior is a story, uh, because it's the why it's everything underneath that we're working with. And the assumption and the last chapter is actually called the big space. And that's holding that that big space for your child and assuming they can meet you there. So um, really, the core is giving them tools to to help themselves. It's giving them tools, the deep tools, so that they can um, have some more control in their lives and they can thrive and understand, you know, share in that experience of their own growth. Um, in my experience, that is the long-term um, growth that happens. That's the deep stuff. You know, it's when, when a child can say, this is what I need, you know, um, when, it, when uh, this is what's bothering me, you know, the lights are too bright. Um, when, when, when a child knows how to calm themselves down, you know, if they're having a, a really big emotion, 
um, and, and they need to regulate that. Um, you know, it, 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 if, if we come in with, um, with a reward to calm down, they may calm down for five minutes, but next time it happens, will they know how to get themselves back there? And if you're not there, if someone's not there, or if it's a different experience, right? And we all know that one of the, one of the aspects um, of folks on the spectrum is that sometimes things are rules and literal, and you know this world is a, is a is not a black and white world. It's a it's a gray world. <laughs> so you know if you have those tools in your hands, um, like we all should have. And I you know it's funny because people have read this book and said, oh, I wish I had this when I was bringing up my kids, <laughs> because all children I think need need those powerful tools in their life. Yasmin, you touched on this a little bit, but what is the science behind music and the brain? Um. It's kind of, it's very fascinating, actually, um, for one for, in one area, um, which is language and the brain. Um, you know, we 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 typically process language on the left side of our brain. Someone on the spectrum often processes language on the right side of the brain. So the connections are, you know, those links are not happening as or they're not happening as well. And music also processes on the right side of the brain. So what you have is the ability to literally open neural pathways to language. And a lot of music therapists, I'm not alone in this, have jump-started language through singing with lyrics and using music. You drop, I call it pop and drop. You drop a lyric and the brain is saying, oh, it's fill, I fill it in. And um, I've had parents crying and, you know, we've seen, you know, we've just seen kids just um, really grow in this area of language acquisition, which is really amazing um, and amazing for them. And it's done in a way that is motivating and personal to them. It's not, it's not done for a cookie. It's not, <laughs> you know, it's done because they're in the music because the music is motivating and they want to hear it and they want to sing it. Um, so it's, it, that is just fascinating on its own. There's a lot of studies on this. Um, there is a lot of work with stroke patients, actually, that uses the same science behind it. Um, uh, Dr. Tout is, is the name of, of uh, one of the professors that has a lot of articles out there. There is a professor at MIT that's done a lot of studies on, um, on brain and music. And um, there is, you know, there are, there's a method um, called, um, called melodic intonation training, which uses that, the same concept that, you know, there's cadence in how we speak. Well, if you, you know, you match the rhythm and melody and um, you start working in language and, and it, it's really fascinating um, work and it, and it works in a, um, in, with individuals. Um, Gabby Giffords, for example, uh, she gained a lot of language um, by using music in the case uh, speech. Um, he was stuttering, right? And then uh, learned to stop stuttering with music. Um, there, it's, a, it's a strong connection. We are on the tip of the iceberg with this science. Um, so it, it's very fascinating. Then, of course, you have all of the, all of the science behind memory, right? Um, and how, you know, with, you use routine melodies and it, it will it will remind you of things. And we use in our in our technique songs. There's a lot of language in our model. I mean, we're, we use music, but we also use verbal processing. And um, but we 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 alternate it purposefully. 
Um, so, but there is, um, there is a lot of what I call functional lyrics so that they can take the lyric from the song and they can use it outside of this program, if that makes sense. <laughs> so fascinating. So we're running out of time, but really quickly, you have a message for parents um, that's super important, uh, Yasmin. What, what do you want parents to know about this book and this technique? Uh, um, the book has easy, easy ways to have fun with your child. Um, there's a lot of tools in there. It has, I think, ways that I'm passionate about to connect with your child and see, just take a different perspective um, of maybe what's happening. And, and the biggest the biggest thing I have to say, though, at the end of the day is I think that parents, you have a really hard job. And, and but just the fact that you're listening to podcasts, you're listening to this, you pick up a book, you you are striving to make your child's life better and give to them. And um, it, it is huge. Give yourself a break. Take care of yourself. Um, music is a great way to do that, too. <laughs> Get in the car and put your favorite song on. Um, but, um, un but, you know, explore this area because um, I, one of my chapters is called music is a place and it is a separate place. It's for everyone. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it is a um, beautiful, beautiful place. Where can people get the book, Yasmin? Um, I think, I think we sent you a link, but it is published by Future Horizons Publishing Company. It's also on Amazon. And it's also, if you visit our website at voicestogether.org, um, you will, you know, you'll have, a, 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 um, you'll be, you can be connected to that page that, that uh, the link is on. All right. Traven put that up there. So uh, we're on Instagram and all of, all of the social media areas. Right. We're actually growing too. So if you want to know more about our, our model, please just contact us. We always are happy to talk to you. Fantastic, Jasmine. Thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck to you. And um, everybody go out there and get that book so you can connect with your children in this really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you much for having so me. so much. Take care. Bye Take bye. good care. Bye-bye. We want to thank her for joining, and uh, we have another guest waiting in the wings that we want to share with everybody. Do you want to go ahead and intro? Sure. I, I, don't, I hope I pronounce this correctly. Maya Sundermeyer. Um, she is, she, as you mentioned, Shannon, she has a podcast herself. She is the host of Hello World with Maya, which is available on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. She is currently employed at the Center for Leadership and Disability, which is housed in the School of Public Health at Georgia State University. And uh, she is joining us today. Thank you for, for being on the show, Maya. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be back. Oh, now, last time I was on the show, I was 38. I'm 40 now. Oh, my goodness. You're, you're, yeah. you're a baby. You're a baby. Your hair baby. looks fabulous, too. Yeah, last time I was on, my hair was really short, remember? I do, and I don't remember it being this beautiful color. Uh, yeah, I dyed it recently. That's um, gorgeous. And, yeah, it is. Uh, it's just an honor to be back. But anyway, speaking of podcasts, what I'm planning on doing is I'm trying to go on a podcast tour. I'm trying to get on other people's shows 
because I, number one, I want to promote my podcast, uh, Hello World with Maya. I've been uh, doing my podcast now for about two years. I mean, I did vlogs before that on YouTube. And then I just uh, gradually uh, moved into blogging on WordPress. And then I uh, started doing the podcast in uh, late 2019 after being a guest on somebody else's show. And then the pandemic hit. And I just decided to start uh, my own, start to, uh, I, I can't think of the, the word right now, but I just started to, uh, I wanted to improve the podcast. So uh, I started having guests on the show and I've had a Temple on at least two years in a row now. I mean, I had her on in 2020 and I, I had her on in uh, 2021. The first time she was my surprise mystery guest. And the name of that podcast is called I Can't Stand Itchy on an Airplane after one of the things she talked about. And then the second one was uh, was about her book, The Outdoor Scientist. And both of us had a really great time talking about that. Like she and I talked about Sputnik and a few other things. Maya, tell us what else you cover on your podcast. Tell us what it's all about. So... The objective of the podcast is to raise autism awareness and acceptance. I believe you cannot have one without the other. Uh, in my motto, my theme is called taking middle grounds, or that's my campaign. Uh, and and not, I'm not even just talking about uh, raising autism awareness or autism acceptance, you know, at the bigger levels, there's self-awareness and self-acceptance. I mean, some people like to use the, a third A, autism action, but I'm sticking with, with taking middle grounds and I'll talk about anything like, like I, for example, I would like to give my two cents on what's going on with autism in the media. One of the things that I talk about, for example, is you guys were talking about the theory of mind or I would talk about, I also talk about issues related to employment. I talk about issues related to the unwritten rules just all kinds of stuff, but it's mainly related to autism. Sometimes I also talk about civil rights things. Like um, I've been on there and I've talked about the Holocaust and I've been on there before. And I've talked about uh, like, what is it? March 1st, the, the national disability day of mourning. I've covered a couple of those, uh, of those days as well. So mainly about autism and I just have different topics. Like the temple and I talked about sensory and then we also talked about science. So well, fascinating. When you when we talked about you coming back on the show, one of the things that you said was that you wanted to talk about your dating life. I don't want to. I, I don't want people to think that I'm just being rude and presumptuous to ask you. You said that you'd like to talk about that and and what's happening in your dating life right now. So tell us what you want to tell us. So one of the reasons why I want to come on here and talk about my dating life is because I think this is really important for people on the spectrum too because there are a lot of individuals on this, like myself, who want boyfriends or they want girlfriends, and, but they don't really know how to connect with other people. They don't really know the uh, unwritten rules. And so one of the reasons I wanna go on a podcast tour is I'd like to talk about my experiences. And I really have never had a serious relationship until 40. But basically, um, I met my boyfriend quite a few years ago. We were friends first, and he's also on the spectrum. And then he also has uh, cerebral palsy, a very, very, very mild cerebral, you know, very, very mild. You can't tell. And then he also uh, has epilepsy. 
And so anyway, he had a huge crush on me years ago and he kept hinting, would you go out with me? Would you go out with me? Would you go out with me? I mean, it's a long story, but I finally said yes. So, but before that, uh, you know, before that, you know, it was just really stressful and it was a struggle for me to find a significant other or to find a boyfriend. And for me, I had issues with understanding what a boyfriend was and understanding when and where it would be appropriate to go out with somebody. And back when I was a back when I was a teenager, one of the issues I struggled with was understanding the difference between a boyfriend and a friend and understanding that uh, you have issues such as uh, like there has to be a mutual agreement between two people. For example, when I was in middle school, uh, there was another boy who I was in, went to school with. We hung out all the time. And the other kids kept pressuring us. Hey, Maya, you think you'd go out with him? You think you'd go out with him? And in the beginning, I said no, while he just kept telling everybody, no, I'm not interested. We're just friends. And after a while... I ended up taking it seriously. And so I just automatically started calling him my boyfriend when he didn't really like me back to begin with. And he just didn't have those uh, type of uh, romantic feelings back. And in fact, he ended up uh, liking another girl and he ended up asking her out. And so I was mad. I was going around calling her, my, or calling him, excuse me, my boyfriend when he really wasn't. So. Those are some of the things that I think we need to uh, discuss is understanding uh, what a relationship is versus what they're not and understanding that uh, somebody's really interested in you or not. And then also understanding that uh, dating comes with lots of little nuances and a bunch of little social cues. So those, those are some things I'd like to talk about on the podcast not just it, not just my experiences of dating and understanding when and how things should be done and learning how to find common grounds as a couple, but I would also like to reach out to the autistic community as well. Maya, as, as an adult woman in the spotlight, what do you want people to know about autism in this uh, Autism Awareness Month of April? Well, I think one of the things, I think one of the things that I want people to know is that uh, I think I was just talking about this and I think this should probably apply to, uh, I guess what I want them to know is that not every autistic, it lives up to the stereotype. And I think that, uh, I think that autism awareness is, uh, you know, is, you know, right now it's coming out of Autism Speaks, which is fine. But sometimes I feel like the autism awareness is at the corporate level. And I think that there's uh, very little information because you get snippets of um, information in commercials like Autism Speaks. And autism awareness, I think, should be spread at the community level and not the corporate level. Right. How can we do that, Maya? Well, we've talked about, well, I've talked about this in my podcast. 
I think we should have more town hall meetings. I think we should have more uh, more meetings and more support groups within homeowners associations. And I think that the meetings should be run by people who are on the spectrum, as well as siblings and parents that uh, that completely understand and they have the attitude of empowerment and you know, just a community building type of a deal. I love that. I love that. Uh, now you mentioned that you wanted to do a, a podcast tour. Are, are, where are we on the tour? Are we the first? Are we the middle? Are, are, are like, how's it going? Well, you guys are the first right now. Uh, you're the first right now. My second podcast is going to be with someone else. I forget his name. I was supposed to meet with him today. I was supposed to meet with them earlier. But that didn't really work out. But you're the first today. Okay. So well, we'll take excited. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're excited, uh, and I hope that your your tour goes really well. Can you tell people where to find your podcast? Well, uh, right now, I mean, you can go to helloworldwithmaya.podbean.com. That's helloworldwithmaya.podbean.com. Once you hit that page, you can learn more about me and the show. You can also look for me on, uh, if you just want to listen, you can, you can listen in on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. You can also listen in on Google Podcasts and the like. Uh, and then if you want to be a guest on the show, there is an application. I have not posted anything in there about requesting me to be a guest on the show. So I think that's something I need to work on this week so that more people can be interested in the show. But I definitely have applications if anybody wants to join. Maya, you, you mentioned that you interviewed Temple Grandin twice and you talked a little bit about talking about Sputnik. And what were some of the other highlights of your interview views with Temple? Well, some of the highlights, uh, it's been a while since I've listened to them, but I think some of the highlights was when we talked about sensory issues together. And actually, I've known Temple for quite a few years now. I met her back in 2014, long before the pandemic. And I met her through a series of other networks. But she and I also talked about some employment. I remember that. And then uh, we also talked about some things that people can do, like looking in their backyards uh, at different types of science. So, yeah, I, I, I'm always, I always uh, become fascinated. I get excited every time I turn on Facebook. I mean, even if it's archived, you'll see me uh, typing in the chat, hi, Temple, hi, Temple. Like, that's how excited I get. I always get inspired to uh, <laughs> and motivated to do more with my life every time I hear her speaking on here. I think right. we all feel that way. Yeah, we but all do. Who else is on your list of people that you're hoping that you get to interview at some point? Oh, what a great, what a great photo. Yeah, that was when I first met her. That, that was me at 33. Okay. Yeah, that, was when I first, that was when I first met her. I attended a couple of things. Like, it was, I first got hired at Georgia State, This is which is my office here on campus. And by the way, I just got my bachelor's at the end of 2020 in psychology, and I'm getting ready to apply for my uh, my doctorate pretty soon. But the first baby step is to take some post-bath things and build up some experience in a lab because I really like to get my feet wet in research. But Congratulations. Congratulations. People on the sh- but people on the show I'd like to have. Um, yeah. 
If I had a dream, I'd love to talk to Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Yeah, Greta yeah. Thunberg. I, Greta Thunberg. Uh, I've already interviewed Temple twice. And Temple, if you hear this, you are more than welcome to be back on my show. Uh, you are a delight to have on. Uh, I had Haley Moss on the show in 2020. We were supposed... I was supposed to be on a panel with her, uh, with a group of other women. We were talking about autism and employment, and unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um, other people I'd like to have on the show, Dr. Daniel Wendler. I've presented a, alongside him a couple of times. Uh, you, you know Daniel Wendler, right? Yeah, we've had him on the show uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Anita Lasko. Do you guys still keep up with Anita? You know, I haven't talked to her in a while, but I adore her. Me too. Uh, she's wonderful. She inspired Shannon to go vegan. Totally. I'm, I'm vegan and weightless. I remember I watched that episode a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, I like some of her ideas on there, but no, I'm still not vegan, but I will eat vegan food. It's pretty good. Oh, she's she's got an amazing recipe for hot dogs that are made out of carrots, you guys. It's this crazy, it's the one recipe she says, if you're not sure about going vegan, try this recipe. And if you don't like it, okay. But it tastes, to me, it tasted just like hot dogs and they're made out of carrots. And it wasn't hard. It's crazy okay. good. So, but, you know, but some other guests her. I want on the show. Uh, he's not, he does, he's not affiliated with autism. But he, he has a show on being positive. It's called The Happiness Podcast. Doc, his name is Dr. Robert Puff. He's a psychologist. Well, we'll, we'll hashtag him. He needs to know that you want to have him on yeah. your show. I can uh, have him on the show. Um, I don't know who else. I can't think of anybody else right now. That's okay. But, well, we, um, want people, we want people to check out your podcast. So one more time before we say goodbye, how can people access it? So again, go to helloworldwithmaya.podbean.com. That's helloworldwithmaya.podbean.com. And so, before we sorry, yeah. before we go, I want to I've got to tell you guys. Uh, speaking of pod, I wish that they had sleep pods for adults. It looks like something out of Star Wars. They do. <laughs> they do have them for adults. They're full sized uh, beds. So check them out. Check out Z pods. They They're called Z pods, and they they. Actually, you know, it, pod pod beds are a very big deal um, over in other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world, like in Asia. It's a very Ooh. big. They have even well, micro yeah, I know hotels. Pod beds. You mean like the two, like you, know, you sleep in pods in those hotels, sleep pods? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so when pod beds was coming to the United States they were looking at all the different applications of where it would be a good place to have them. And they went to an autism dad because so many people in Asia said, these are really good for folks that are on the spectrum. And they went to an autism dad and said, can you help us? We want to do some research on this to see if it's true. And of course they've discovered that I said, I want one. Why wouldn't a kid want one, whether they're on the spectrum or not, but that it also happens to be helpful with sensory issues at bedtime. Cause we have a great deal of our population that are teens that, that find themselves sleeping in their closets because they want that sensory devoid environment. So, but they absolutely make them an adult size. So, so the, re the, so the solution behind these pod beds is, um, they just block, so they're like, they're soundproof and they block out noise. 
and they're and and they actually create a specific unique sensory environment because not everybody can deal with the same things like some of them feature neon lights inside them they have fans that you can turn on or off you can create your own environment yeah i heard that they look like they have sound machines in there I, it's they look pretty cool to me. Uh, I I haven't been in one yet, but they look pretty cool to me. So, but they one because we had them on the show. I don't know, like three weeks ago, and because um, I thought it was an interesting topic. And um, yeah, they absolutely make them for adults. They they fit a uh, a full size twin uh, bed that is adult length. So um, there you go. Uh, and apparently you can stack them like bunk beds. I, I, I saw, I saw that, that picture and I was like, oh, that's, but you know, what's fun for me, um, is they look very space age. It looks like, yeah. like a compartment on the international space station. And, yeah. and you think I people would get excited about those things. Well, I don't know, but guess who we're having on the show on Monday. I know. I know. I saw, like, I, I you know, um, I could do temple. This is so cool. <laughs> I can do her. This is Temple Grandin. Uh, I love good. that. I love that. You can rival uh, Claire Dane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> who, who well, when I was movie. younger, a lot of people said I look like Claire. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, there's here's another highlight uh, regarding my podcast. I asked her how they got Claire Danes to play Temple, and in the podcast, uh, Grandin said that. Um, <laughs> She said, she said that she, they heard her, they heard her doing the voice and said, yeah, you, she doesn't look like me, but she sure sounds like me. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But, well, there we go. Well, we encourage well, everyone to check out your podcast, Maya. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. And promise you, we won't wait two years for you to come back. Yeah. I'll try to come back. I'll try to come back every six months or so. Yeah. Okay. okay. I've, Very cool. I've just been so, I just I've been in the zone, but I thought you know what, <laughs> maybe I should start coming back more often. You're right. I but thought it was, not- I thought it was great. You reached out. You know that's that perseverance is probably why you're successful at the things that you do. And it totally reminded me. I was like, well, why haven't we had her on for two years? So I was <laughs> really? thrilled to see your message. So and good luck uh, on your podcast tour. Have a great yes. time on your podcast tour. Thank you. And uh, remind me, Nancy, right? Uh, yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Maya. It's been a pleasure. And I'm Absolutely. all the way. It, y'all are up in California. I'm I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. Where are you guys based out of? Los so Angeles? we're both in the Los Angeles area. Yeah, yeah. in the Valley, San Fernando Valley. Yeah, I'm in Atlanta. I'm 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 right downtown Atlanta right now, and I'm on campus at Georgia State. So okay. And then you look, you see my fun office. It's uh, awesome. Right back there, you saw my picture of Temple and I from 2014. Yeah. Um, it's an yeah, awesome my, when my aunt was alive, she had that picture blown up and she put it on a frame at home. And I told her not to do it, but uh, but that inspired me. So, absolutely. Well, you know what I keep here um, is my, my Temple Grand- Grandin cow. It's signed she, by her. Did she? Oh, that's really nice of Miss Grandin. Yeah. yeah. I have more book. I have more books. Okay, excuse me. One more thing. Uh, actually, it's show and tell. I what have you got, Nancy? Oh, I can't find it. It's all right. Uh, We're almost out of time. She signed, this, she signed this one at a conference a year in person. Yeah, she signed this. Her book oh. Emergence. It's 
so good. Look at that signature. What a bold signature. Yeah, yes. make sure hey, make sure Temple sees this. Hey, Temple, can't wait. <laughs> Come back to Atlanta. No more virtual. Come back. I want to see you in person. You're really funny. Well, I've got one more question. You know, sure. you're doing this wonderful podcast. Do you know who we interviewed yesterday was Temple Grandin's mother? Do you ever feature yeah, mothers? Yeah, that's what said earlier on the show. Do you I ever feature would mothers on your podcast? Cutler. I, you know, I'm yet to meet Mrs. Cutler. I mean, I'd love to meet her in person, actually. She seems She's like a amazing. wonderful person. But a lot of times when people, I understand it, but a lot of times when people are doing things about on the spectrum, you, you don't really necessarily want to hear from the moms. Because, you know, Nancy and I are moms too. We're available to be on your podcast, but I have a feeling we're too passe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you guys are welcome on the show. I've been wanting you on the show, Shannon, because uh, I've been on your show I, twice now. I, I would be happy to come on the show. I'm sure Nancy yeah. would too. Yeah. And sure. probably okay. Eustacia probably would be too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway. I would love her on the show. And then one other person I want on the show is Nick Maley, that Yoda guy. He's on okay. the spectrum too. So I don't know him. I don't know him either. Anyway, we're out of time. Traven's going to get the hook, but it's been so Bye fun guys. talking with you. Good luck with the dating. Yes. And with the, and the relationship. Uh, um, speaking of which, I'm hoping he texted me back. So okay. see you later. Okay. Thumbs up. Bye, Maya. All right. You take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Uh, as, as we leave and we're all out of time, I don't want to forget that, remember, you guys, Dr. Temple Grandin is on on Monday live. Um, we are going to be taking live questions, but I'm happy to take questions beforehand. If you really want to get your question answered, if it's really important to you, you should send me the question. You can send it to me at, uh, to Shannon at autism live.com, but we will take some questions live. We'll see how that goes, but Temple does prefer to get them beforehand. Can't wait so, to see that show, Shannon. It's going to be great. Should be fun. And and can I tell you also who else is on the show next Wednesday? Well, Ooh. first of all, Temple on Monday. Then we're having uh, Dr. Grand Pichet let, um, ask Dr. Doreen on uh, Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, fabulous actor from Lock and Key. And they just made a big announcement about season three that has to do with Kobe Bird. And we're going to be breaking that news wide open on Wednesday's show. Kobe Bird, who plays Rufus on Lock and Key, you probably have seen him before on the show. Very talented actor. Ginormous announcement on Wednesday. So that'll be really fun. And then on Thursday, Nancy, with us, we have the fabulous author, Carol Kranowitz is going to be joining us talking about her new book. She's got a series of books called the out of sync child and the in sync child. So uh, she's got a new book in her series that we're going to be talking about next Thursday. So it should be really fun. A great, great week. week of shows. Great week of yeah, shows. Absolutely. So uh, you guys until tomorrow and we're back with a, um, a best of uh, show tomorrow there might even be a surprise tomorrow uh i don't i don't want to promise but we might be doing some live things from the studio tomorrow it could happen uh because we're getting close to being able to go live from the studio but until then give your kiddos a hug from me yes and happy easter happy passover and give yourselves a hug from me bye-bye bye-bye for now
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.